Fat shout out to the production team for coming up with such a sweet intro song. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the virgin episode of This Really Happened, where we tell true stories and discuss how they've affected our lives. The only caveat is we have to change the names to protect the innocent and the guilty. So today, I want to tell you the story about the real Karate Kid. That's right. Your boy is a karateka. Before I get into the story, I have to give you a backstory of the story. So if I remember correctly, I was around eight, seven to eight years old. And my Uncle Johnny, this was back in the day when martial arts movie was the thing. You know, Bruce Lee was big. Everybody wanted to be a martial artist. So my uncle was pretty pretty good uncle jay and we were in my grandmother's house one time and he was you know we were horsing around and then in one he was like why don't you show me what you got kid and i'm thinking we're still screwing around you know so i squared up and he's over here bam clobbers me in my stomach i'm on the floor fucking literally almost shitting on myself crying and he's telling me is that what you're gonna do on the street are you gonna cry like a little biatch he's like what do you know what do you know if you were going to fight somebody in the street, what do you know? So, I mean, what, what did I know? I didn't know anything. I did a little uh, breakdance move. I don't, I don't know if you guys remember the little turtle move where you spun on your back and stuff like that. And he told me, hey, that's part of karate. I was like, oh. So then began my training. I would go to my uncle's house and we would drill day in, day out all of the fundamentals. So fast forward, I'm 14 and I joined an official karate school. My first uh, discipline was Goju Ryu. And it was a program that was being given out in one of the public schools. And you can just go over there and sign up. Obviously you have to sign a, a waiver. That's how they do it in all the karate schools now where you, if you get injured, you can't sue the karate school basically. So since I was so advanced, I went from a white belt to a green belt in three months. When I got there, my jab, reverse punch, backhand, back fist, shuto strike, front kick, roundhouse, side kick, back kick, hook kick were all at a black belt level. You got to understand, I've been doing this since I was eight years old with my uncle before he got too sick to be able to teach me anymore. So the only thing I had to really learn was the, the self-defense, the ipon kamites, the katas, and that's it. I already knew all of the striking and I already knew all of the blocking as well. So in a three-month period, I got my green belt, and all of my friends were like, oh, man, you're the greatest karate guy we've ever seen. So <laughs> we're going to call this guy Capone, right? And he knows exactly who he is just by me saying Capone because we all had nicknames. We had Nick Soze. We had Capone. We had the Corleone brothers. And I was Frank Nitti, the enforcer. Don't ask me how we got these crazy Italian mafia names, but that's what we came up with. So Capone thinks is a good idea that we go to the number one triple crown karate kid in the country and go see one of his demonstrations in his karate school. Sounds good. I go over there to check this out. I really want to see what it takes to be number one in the nation triple crown. And this kid was, was amazing, man. He was very good. Lightning fast, excellent technique, perfect, really good. So we're watching the show and... I'm ready to get out of there. And somehow Capone gets me into a fight with the number one triple crown black belt in the country. Mind you, I just got a green belt, 
official training. And uh, somehow I'm in a fight with the number one uh, black belt guy in the country. This is ridiculous. Obviously, I got my ass handed to me. This guy was lightning fast. He was so fast they had to spray some chemical on his feet so that he doesn't slip while he's running around in there. And um, he was teeing off on me. We were in a different weight class. I believe he was a 115 pounder. And at that time, I believe I was 165. So, you know, in today's standard, that would be an unfair fight to my advantage. But now this guy was so fast and it was point sparring. So it wasn't like, you know, if you get hit with a real heavy blow, that's it. The, the game is over. It was just point sparring. It was a, an exhibition. So in one, I landed a really good hit on him and he did not like that. This guy hits me with a reverse spinning hook kick and cracks me right in my nose. And I'm over here with my first nosebleed. And uh, that was it. I had enough of that. This guy is number one in the nation for a reason. And I'm not just going to show up there and dethrone him as a green belt. So I took that loss and I told myself that day, I am never going to lose again to anyone. I don't care who they are, what rank they hold. And that was the beginning. That day was the true beginning of me turning into the brutal and vicious martial artist that I turned into pre-black belt. So fast forward two years, three summers, I'm a NQ, that is a brown belt with two stripes, ready for my black belt test. The school has moved from a free-to-play model, and we're actually in an official dojo, not a gym of a school. And the way martial arts works is, let's say for instance, I receive a certain rank in another discipline, and then I switch to another discipline, I retain my rank, I just have to catch up. So that's what happened with this guy that we're going to call Van Dam. So Van Dam's background was he was a purple belt in Taekwondo. Really beautiful kicks, very flexible and relatively fast for his weight. And, you know, at the time I was destroying tournaments. It got to a point when I was a brown belt that I would go to a tournament and then we would compete in the kata, which is the forms, and then there would be the kumite, which is the fighting afterwards. And it got to a point where nobody wanted to fight me. I'd go to a tournament and I'd automatically win first place because everybody would bow out. They wouldn't want to face me. And the funny thing that happened is one time we were working out and the actual father of the number one triple crown guy that I fought earlier when I was a green belt, I told him, hey, why don't you uh, let me fight your son again for old times? And he told me, you're not going to end my son's career. So that obviously uh, ballooned my head up. And then coupled with the fact that I was laying waste to everybody that stood in front of me. I had no discipline. This is not what martial arts was about. So Van Damme joins a karate school. He has an unranked, untested purple belt from another system. And he's here in the advanced class. And we're looking at this guy like, who the hell is this guy? Who the hell does he think he is? And after he was there for a couple of months, he's here claiming he's the best in the karate school. And I'm like, hey, guy, you're not the best guy here. And uh, every time I fight you, uh, I'm, I'm yawning because of how boring it is to fight you. He took offense to that. So we had some kind of, I wouldn't call it rivalry, but it was definitely a kind of beef that we had. Every time that I fought him, I wanted to prove to him that I was the better fighter every single time. And I did. So because of my discipline issues, I got held back on my black belt. So I believe Capone got his black belt first, if I'm not mistaken. And then it was one of the Corleone brothers. And we'll get to my black belt test later after I tell you these two stories of where I hurt these guys. 
So one day I'm talking with Van Damme and uh, I'm like, listen, point sparring is all cool and everything. But if I get you in full contact, I'll really show you who the best is in here. And he was like, yeah, 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 man, I'm going to kick your ass, blah, blah, blah. So Capone is teaching a class one day and I tell him, hey, why don't you set up a, an exhibition fight real quick between me and Van Damme? You know, we have a lot of bad blood and I want to teach him a lesson today. And he was like, yeah, 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 we'll get the kids and we'll sit them down and then you could have uh, your demonstration here in front of them. Jesus Christ, how many how many kids did we traumatize that day? So we sit the kids down. My sensei is actually in another part of the dojo. So we're at the front of the dojo and we're having this fight. He's off to the side into the corner where he can't see what we're doing. Capone sets up the fight. We square up. The command is given. Ajime and we start. And I am, you know, levels above this guy. This guy... Yeah, he has nice kicks, he's fancy, he's fast and stuff like that, but I was on another level. I had all the techniques, I was the uke for the school, so all of the techniques that were being taught were demonstrated on me. So while as they're being demonstrated on me, in my mind, I'm thinking, mm, how could I counter this? So I was the best counter artist, I don't know if I, I could say in the in the nation, but, but definitely in the state, uh, I was the best counter artist. So I'm fighting this guy and he comes with his bootleg techniques, his little purple belt techniques, and I'm just wiping the floor with this kid. And I'm laughing as I'm doing it. And that's a little bit of arrogance on my part. So in one, he throws a reverse punch. I catch his punch. I spin him around and then uh, I drop him. We're back to back and I drop him on the back of his neck. And he stands up and I'm laughing at this guy because I'm literally throwing him around like he's a little kid. He tries to throw a kick. I block his kick with my kick. I punch him right in the stomach. He falls down to the ground. It's I'm literally beating this kid down. So in one, I get this strange, I, I don't know how to call it. It's like a sixth sense. I get this strange sense that he's going to try to kick me in my throat. So instead of straight up attacking when the Ajime command was given, I sidestep to the side as soon as they said start. And here it comes, a freaking sidekick aimed straight at my throat. Have you guys seen uh, Kill Bill? When she sees one of the people that were involved with her with her uh, assassination attempt, she gets that music that... <laughs> and all she sees is red. That's exactly what I saw. I saw red and I, I, lo I lost control. I lost control. The kick grazes the side of my chin. If I would have stayed where I was at, he would have kicked me right in my throat and I would have been coughing up blood for the rest of my life, and which wouldn't have lasted long. I don't know if you guys had a, a crushed windpipe, but that doesn't feel good and you normally choke on yourself. I grabbed him by his throat and there weren't even any mats on the ground. It was straight up wood floor. And I body slammed this guy from my reach, which is about seven foot four inches. So that's where his that's where his his neck is. And then I just planted him into the ground. As soon as that happened, this kid starts convulsing. He's foaming out of his mouth. All the kids are in shock. They're like, what the hell is going on? The sensei comes over here because he heard the slam and he sees this kid convulsing on the ground and he looks at me and he's like, I can't believe you did this. That's what, that's what the look in his eye. He didn't really tell me that, but that's the look that I, that I got from him. He's like, you know, you have discipline issues. How are you going to kill this guy in my karate school? So the kid was convulsing and foaming out of his mouth. Jesus Christ, it must have felt like that went on for 10 minutes. And then he was unconscious, and we're just there looking like, what the hell? What do we do? You know, should we, are we going to call the ambulance? Who's, who's going who's gonna to call the ambulance, and who's going to say what happened? You know, trying to get our story straight, I guess. And right there, the kid starts coming to. 
Man, I swear to God, that felt like that that was he was on the ground for an hour. So he finally starts gaining consciousness, and the first thing he says is, I can't feel my legs. I was like, are you fucking kidding me, kid? It, w- it would have been better if I would have killed him than to paralyze a, 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 a 17-year-old kid. You know, the guy just got his whole life in front of him. And uh, I mean, I, I didn't know anything about anatomy or anything like that. I don't know. So so I went and I tried to stand the kid up, you know what I'm saying? And um, and he fell right back down to the floor. I was like, oh, my God, I freaking paralyzed this kid. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to be in a lot of trouble. So the whole ordeal, it felt like it was an, an hour long, but it was probably like 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes. And he finally comes to, and uh, I mean, I can't even recall if, if we called the ambulance or not for the guy. I go home, and then uh, that was, I believe, might have been a Saturday or a Friday. I know there was a gap between the next day, because we did karate six hours a day. I say this six hours a day, six days a week, but that wasn't the full schedule always. It was Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. So it'd have to have been on a Saturday. And uh, Capone comes with a letter to my house, I think, on Sunday or Monday. I know we were out of school because we would be in the karate dojo all day long. And in the letter, my uh, sensei says, you know, I've tried to hone your rage. You have no discipline. And if you keep on going down the path that you're going, you're going to end up killing somebody. And I don't want any part of that. Uh, I need you to leave my karate school. So what was I supposed to do? In the letter, he told me that if I try to join any other martial arts school, he would tell them about me and to not take me as a student. My cousins were a part of this ninjutsu school, and for a year, I trained there. I learned a lot about pressure point striking and all kinds of forbidden arts. I finally went to my sensei and told them, you know, I've changed. I've learned how to control my anger, and if he would take me back, he wouldn't regret it. So he took me back, and it was good for the most part. I was primed and ready to be a black belt. All of my friends were already black belts. A year is a long time to miss. So by this time, I'm 18 years old. I'm already out of the house. I got a job. I'm working for an alarm installation company. My father works for that company, and he put in a good word for me, and they hired me on the spot. The one problem that I had with working at the company where my father works is that everyone called me junior and i'm not a junior my father's franklin and i'm frank i'm not franklin junior so after the first six seven months of that i was like listen i don't want to work with my father i want to work with someone else because every job site we went on my dad was like oh this is my son and right away oh it's junior i don't know why that bothered me so much but it did So they pair me with the guy that trained my dad in the alarm system business. And we're going to call this guy Birdman. So Birdman was a gentleman that every day was chest and arm day. He was a a weightlifter, never worked on his legs or anything like that. This guy had two little toothpick legs and a very buff upper body. His arms were big, his shoulders, his forearms, his chest, and he had a little beer belly. But the kid was strong, man. He was, I mean, he wasn't a kid. He was a grown man. And we're on a job site once, and we're on some kind of lunch break before we continue the installation. And he sees me that I'm putting together some cinder blocks. And he's like, what you going to do with that? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to break this real quick. He goes, you can't break that. That's cement. I'm like, are you kidding me? I break this all the time. The most that I've broken in one shot is six with a stepping sidekick. He goes, you can't break that. 
I'm like, all right. I set the thing up and I go in there and I'm just going to do a regular stomp kick and cut right through it like if it wasn't even there. And his eyes bulge out of his head like, oh my God, if you could do that, then I can do it. I'm much stronger than you. And that was the first time that I told Birdman, it's not about power. It's about technique. And he goes, it doesn't make a difference. If you can do it, I can do it. Set it up for me. So I did. I set it up for him and he went to do his little non-technique ass stomp kick on the cinder blocks. And what do you think happened? His knee clicked on that thing. I sort of got, I thought his kneecap was going to fall off. And he was like, man, that was incredible. He goes, I'm going to join your karate school. So here we go. We got this guy that I work with and now he is part of my karate school. There was a time in martial arts where I'd get bored with it because I'm more of a full contact fighter and they did a lot of point sparring and a lot of the techniques that they kept on showing off. I thought that I was too good to keep on doing them, even though in the later years I learned that that's practice. (laughs) So I'd go on stints where I didn't go to karate for a few weeks at a time. There was this one stint where I missed karate for about two months and Birdman was in there every single day. So at this point in my career in the uh, alarm installation company, I was already installing alarms by myself. So he would go and take my tools to the work site and the equipment that I needed. And then he would go do his own job. And one day he calls me and he says, Junior, I go, my name is not Junior. He goes, Junior, if you come to the karate school tonight, I'm going to fuck you up. I'm like, oh, he goes, I'm stronger than you. I got my yellow belt. I'm beating everybody in the karate school. If you come in today, I'm going to fuck you up. So right away, and I don't need to mask this guy's name because everybody that knows me knows this guy. Right away, I call Wes and I'm like, Wes, do you want to see a fight tonight? He goes, hell yeah. In Wes's eyes, he thought that I was the greatest fighter in the world. And he had reason to believe that because he's seen me fight a lot. And, and, and you, you don't understand until you see with your own eyes what, what level I was in, in martial arts. So, well, I mean, everybody knows where I'm from. I'm, I was born and raised in New York. And Wes worked for a company on 38th Street in New York. And Birdman picks me up from my job site. And I go, hey, let's swing by real quick and pick up Wes. Because Wes used to love to come to see the fights. Wes, I don't know why he never did anything with martial arts or why he didn't go into boxing because he was a great boxer. I don't know why he never did that. Really tall, long, smart, really fast fighter. I don't know why he never he never went into any kind of martial art. So while we're riding up in uh, New York City, if you're in a commercial vehicle, you cannot take the highway. So you have to go local. So the entire ride from downtown to 200th street where the karate school was at birdman is saying how he's gonna fuck me up wes looks at him and he's like do you know who you're talking to because you're gonna piss him off that's the last thing you want to do and i'm already at this at this moment i'm already pissed off because number one i'm sitting in the bitch seat i'm sitting in a milk crate there are two seats in the van and then the and then the back is just an empty place to put tools and equipment for the installations. So I'm sitting on a milk crate and this guy's talking trash the entire ride for, for an hour long. He's in there saying how he's going to fuck me up. We finally get to the karate school. I haven't been there in two months. I'm incensed. There's a configuration for fighting, which is junior rank and senior rank, right? So they have about eight people lined up on one side and then eight people facing them. And if you are 
junior rank, you're the one that rotates. The rank doesn't matter as in terms of what your belt is. It's just a way to for you to know that you're the person that needs to move to the next person. So in this uh, fighting configuration, you normally fight for three to five minutes. And then after that fight is over with and they call it, then junior rank rotates one over. And then the person at the end of the line runs all the way to the front of the line and fights the front person in, uh, in the senior rank. So on this day, I was on junior rank and I was rotating and uh, Birdman was the very last person on the senior rank. So as I'm going through the ranks and I'm rotating between everybody, I'm beating the crap out of everybody. I'm getting all of my frustrations out on these people. I'm not hurting people as I normally used to before I got kicked out of karate the first time, but I'm giving these people the business. And I finally get up to Birdman. So I'm facing Birdman and I'm like, I can't, I can't beat this guy down, man. I work with this guy. I'm going to have problems in my job. If I hurt this guy, I'm just going to block him really hard. So we're fighting and he's coming up. <laughs> and when I tell you this guy's techniques, you can see them a mile away. The, he, he doesn't have anything special. He doesn't have nothing but brute force on his side. He's doing this little bootleg techniques and i'm blocking them hard as fuck he throws a jab i slap his jab out of the way he throws a reverse punch i inside block him right into the meat of his forearm pressure point striking him with my blocks it's 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 a clinic and you know i was gonna leave it at that just gonna have him because he was over there rubbing his arms and stuff like that and his legs when i would like if he would throw me a roundhouse and i would do a, a low to mid block and i'd hammer fist the inside of his leg and He's there rubbing his leg. I'm, I'm, I'm beating them up and I haven't even hit him. So in one, he steps back and does a little Muhammad Ali shuffle where he, <laughs> he shuffles his feet and then does this little bullshit with his, uh, with his fist, like throw six or seven, you know, punches into the air. And man, the, the Kill Bill came back. <laughs> the Kill Bill came back. Man, dude, I was not having that. I was not having that at all. I sat into a horse stance and he took one step and I hit him with the hardest technique in martial arts, the jumping, spinning back kick. Through Wes's account, as soon as my foot touched his chest, his hands and his legs went like in a, in a cartoon. When a cartoon gets blown away and they're flying with their hands and their feet extended, this grown man, 240 pounds, flew across the dojo about five feet into a sheetrock wall and destroyed it. At my prime, I was about 185. So that was that was a very heavy, very hard hit. And he emerged from the sheetrock wall and he wasn't there anymore. I saw it in his eyes. This guy was gone, gone. He came at me. He lost all technique. He was basically an ape and he was charging in my direction with his hand held high above his head, and all he was doing was <laughs> So <laughs> he came, I guess what he imagined was that he was gonna hit me on the top of my head and plant me into the ground. So he came with that technique and I X-blocked it up in the air, swept his back leg and dropped him on his head. He stood up again, <laughs> and he came with the same, you know, I guess he thought he was Super Mario, he was gonna jump on my Cooper Trooper head, and I did the same thing, dropped him on his head again. And uh, after that was said and done, Sensei calls the class and we're all in Seiza. Seiza is when you're in the kneeling position. And as the Sensei is closing the class down, 
because I guess he has to assess the damage that happened to the wall. <laughs> uh, Birdman raises his hand and he's like, can I go to the bathroom, please? So they let him go to the bathroom. And man, I still I still hear it in my mind how disturbing that vomit sound was. You heard him in there. He was like, <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. And and that's exactly what Wes said when I hit him. You know, you know, when you're spectating in a martial arts dojo, you can't be commenting, commentating, and you can't be expressing emotions. You got to witness that quietly because you're distracting the class. When I hit Birdman, Wes was like, holy shit. And that's exactly what I was thinking when I heard this guy barfing in the bathroom, right? So after all is said and done and he comes out of there, they close the class. You go into the locker room to change. I went into the bathroom to see what the hell was going on. People, when I tell you there was blood everywhere, blood everywhere, all over the seat, all over the, the back thing of the toilet where the, where the little handle is to flush it, all over the sink, all over the walls, there was blood everywhere. Normally, when uh, Wes comes to see the fights and uh, Birdman would take us home because he actually didn't live too far from where we were living and he would drop us off. And today he was like, oh, I can't drop you guys off. I'm going to have to uh, leave you guys here. I got to go home. So Wes looks at me. He's like, you see what you did? Now we got to take the bus home, right? <laughs> so I didn't think much of it, you know. And uh, later that night, I get a phone call from Birdman's wife. And she's like, Junior. I'm like, my name is not Junior. She's like, I just had to take Birdman to the hospital. Why, why do you have the place so rough? I go, my name is not Junior, number one. And number two, your husband was the one that was talking trash. So why are you over here scolding to me? And I hang up the phone on that lady. So, I mean, <laughs> come on. Who the hell are you to call me to scold me about me hitting your husband? Shut up with that crap. So it's about two months that I don't see Birdman at the job. And one day I'm finished with a job and he comes to pick me up. And mind you, he hasn't been to karate ever since. He comes to me. He goes, Junior. I go, my name is not Junior. He goes, you didn't have to hit me that hard. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, you didn't have to hit me that hard. And he lifts up his shirt and on his chest was a tattoo of my foot on it. You can see the, the heel, the plant, the ball of the foot and my five toes black, not even black and blue, just black tattooed onto his chest. And he told me, he goes, you deflected my chest one and a half inches. He goes, the bone of my chest touched my heart because if you would hit me any harder you would have killed me is what the doctor said and i mean what do you what do you say to somebody like that so the main takeaway is is you know in my karate career i learned how fragile the human body is those were two extreme examples of where i hurt people really bad but if you go back to my record i hospitalized thousands of people it wasn't it wasn't pretty it wasn't what martial arts is about and I learned that on the day of my first black belt test. Man, when I tell you I went through the burning bridge, man, that bridge was on fire, man. On fire. So, they finally grant me the ability to try for my black belt test. And in the martial arts school that I was in, your black belt test is catered against your weaknesses. And a person like me... I'm not trying to brag or anything like that, but I had flawless technique, flawless kata, and I was top-tier, world-class fighting. So I really didn't have any flaws. Oh man, was I wrong. 
this is what these guys made me do. And I, I don't know about you, now that I'm thinking about this, thinking about this thoroughly after I'm in my older ages, there is no way I would be able to do this now, right? Not with a full-time job and a family and all this stuff. This is what they had me do. I had to do 500 push-ups straight, 1,000 jumping jacks straight, 1,000 leg raisers straight, and 1,000 sit-ups straight. They had a person there counting for me, and that took me eight hours to complete. At the end of those warm-up, and I'm saying this in air quote, at the end of those warm-up exercises, I was ready to quit. I was like, you know what? I do not want a black belt. You guys can keep this shit. I don't need this. So after all that's done, then the test begins. Very first thing, I have to do all 21 katas from white belt all the way to black belt, right? Starting from kata jodan all the way to seyun chin, tournament style as if I'm trying to win first place in a tournament. After all of that's done, and I'm going to do a little mini backstory here. The week before, we had a guy called Peaches. Don't ask me why we gave him this nickname, because this dude was a fucking monster. This is a 260-pound, 6'4 bouncer that joined martial arts because he got stabbed and he needed to learn self-defense. This guy could pick you up and body slam you on your face and kill you, okay? Well, Peaches was testing for his yellow belt. And, man, you guys seen in Taekwondo where they have their little powder boards and they're doing all flashy stuff and these boards are just disintegrating in their hands. In karate, we don't use those, those powder boards. We use pine boards, one and a half inch thick, and there's no separation. The top board does not break the bottom board. You have to break all of the boards. So Peaches is testing for his yellow belt, and he is going to strike down. He's doing a downward punch onto the stack of five boards, okay? You go ahead and pull out your calculators and see how many inches of wood that is. So this guy goes, and man, when I tell you this dude could generate some power, man, this dude was a beast, man. He was a beast. He punches the top of this board, and with my own eyes, I see this guy's wrist just evaporate. As soon as he made contact, his forearm went one inch into his, into his hand. He completely pulverized his wrist. And he would have been the first person in the school to break five boards, right? So here comes black belt day test for me. After I've already done all the exercises that I told you, I've done all of the katas, and they also made me do all of the ipon kamites of self-defense. And... Uh, they have this continuous break demonstration, okay? They had three guys holding six boards upright for a reverse punch, another three guys holding another six boards for a stepping sidekick, one guy holding two boards with one hand for a ridge hand, and then one person holding two boards low to his feet for a little flash kick, like a sweep kick, and then my sensei, on top of a folding chair with three boards over his head for a jumping, spinning axe kick. And I had to do it all in continuous fluid motion. And the whole caveat of my test was, whatever you mess up, you fail. Okay, there's no, oh, let me try it again. You fail instantly. Okay? So, first six boards, first kid in the class to break more than four boards. I, was an, I mean, I guess I was a kid. I was 18. 
reverse punch snaps right through all six boards and I punched a guy that's behind holding it. Stepping sidekick cut right through the six boards. Ridge hand just snaps these boards clean out of this guy's hand and the flutter kick breaks it. And I do the jumping spinning axe kick and my foot gets caught on the boards and it doesn't break, man. I'm like, God damn it. Three boards. I broke six boards. You got to understand I'm, I'm exhausted. So I go ahead and I already do the jumping spinning axe kick and break the stuff. You know, I'm not going to leave it unfinished and I'm already looking like I'm wrapping up to, uh, to just get out of there. I'm like, that's it. I'm, I'm done. And uh, they didn't tell me I failed. So the next part was where I had the most difficulty in, which was the fighting. As you've heard, my track record is I pretty much didn't have no control and no discipline. And a black belt means you are a person that is in control. So the whole stipulation with the fighting portion of my test was if I hurt anybody, I instantly fail. So I remember this like this was yesterday, guys. This was 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago. The very first person that I fought was a five-year-old kid that they called my son. He was the mini-me, and this kid was vicious, man. He was, a, he was a little pit bull, and he's the first person that I fight. I had to fight everybody that was promoting that day. We square up. We're ready to fight. The very first technique that I do, I do a front snap kick on this kid a regular my getty and i launch him into the darkness i was like oh my god i failed i failed i kicked this kid 20 feet away into the darkness because the only lights it was already dark remember i've been at this all day my test started at noon i didn't finish the the exercise until 8 p.m and then all of this crap it's, it's like 9 30 10 o'clock if i had to guess what time it was and um, the only place that was lit was this, the stage where you fight. And then everybody that was witnessing it was in the darkness. It was like in the back part of the class and it was dark. And that's where I kicked the kid to. I said, holy shit, I failed. That's it. The very first fight that I have, I broke this kid's freaking chest. And he comes out of the darkness, man. I'm on one knee. I'm like, that's it. I failed. I'm done. And he comes out of the darkness. I've never been that happy in my life to get kicked in my face. The kid jumps off of my knee and does a spinning hook kick and kicks me right in my freaking mouth. I've never been that happy to get kicked in the face. And for the rest of the fight, I was able to control him and not hurt him. So we skip to uh, the adults that I've been kicking their ass their entire life, right? Peaches was out of the, out of the question because he had evaporated his wrist, but... We did have the bass player, and this guy was, you know, if you still believe in neo-Nazis, you, you could imagine what he looked like, and, and Burley, too. A bass player for a rock band, and that if you go to a venue where you have to play and, and be protected by chicken wire, this is a place where you need to know how to fight, because a bar fight is going to break out every single time. And this guy was a bar fighter, and he was in there learning... Uh, learning martial arts so he could have the upper hand when things would get out of, out of control. And this was the first time that I realized that I did not have a glass jaw. Because remember, in my whole, throughout my whole career, I was always the aggressor. I never really got hit. My, my shape was incredible. I had unbelievable stamina. I could fight all day long from 12 to 12, full blast, and never get tired, never get winded. 
And imagine me now with my arms, it feels like my fists weighed about 50 pounds each. And I just couldn't keep my hands up. And these guys, I mean, they're training Shotokan and Goju Ryu. My sensei had the foresight and we were doing mixed martial arts before that thing was even before that thing was even popular. We were doing jujitsu, Aikido, Hapkido, Shotokan, Goju Ryu, everything. We were doing everything, Taekwondo, everything. So, you know, a, a green belt in my system was a, a high level belt. It was a, it was a very skilled person and this guy was a green belt and man, I could see if I closed my eyes, I could see the technique coming. If it was any other day, I would have blocked that, gotten close to him, grabbed him by his gi and dropped him on the back of his head. But I couldn't, I couldn't. This guy did a spinning back fist. No, this guy throws a jab and steps into a spinning back fist and clocks me right in my jaw. I close my eyes because there's nothing I can do. So in my mind, I'm on the floor. I'm knocked out. I'm on the floor, knocked out. My black belt test is over. All the crap that I've done is was for nothing. I open my eyes and I am still standing up. Man, the rush of energy that that gave me. It was, it was, you, you, I don't know how you could explain that. You ever heard of somebody saying, oh, I caught my second wind. I was on like my 21st wind. And it just gave me a rush of adrenaline that I was able to absorb that hit and not be knocked out. So I finished that fight. And I'm not going to go into details of all the single fights that I had. I was just telling you the, the ones that, were, that stood out the most. There was one where, you know, I knew this guy's weakness and he was really wanted to take advantage of me. And, you know, I, I did a spinning hook kick behind his guard and I hit him in his, in his lower back. And that's his weak point. And the same guy kicked me onto the the tables of the of the judges but we don't need to listen to all of that we're gonna skip straight to the gorilla that they found in the fucking zoo they shaved this this gorilla put a gi on him and a fourth degree black belt and called this dude a martial artist so i'm here looking at this six foot two gorilla with a fourth degree black belt that i've never seen before i've never seen how he fights this this guy is, is an ape and but by, by this time i've already fought 15 people and i i have nothing in the tank anymore people nothing and when i say that a dude is wiping the floor with me as if i was a mop that's what this guy was doing he come in real quick real sharp jab reverse punch front kick sweep right on the floor here i am and i can't i can't get up i cannot get up and my shotokan master was like if you don't get up you fail so i drag myself off the ground and here comes the gorilla again sidekick back kick jodan over the head fucking throw body slams me on the ground like i'm a bag of shit and that's it i'm done i am done that's it. I'm on the floor. I got my eyes closed. I'm not trying to stand up or nothing. I'm like, you'll just leave me here. Shut the lights off and I'll, I'll see myself out at the end of the night. Just, just leave me here, please. And uh, Shotokan Master again goes, you know, if you don't get up, you fail. So I get up and I'm barely keeping along. This guy is working his techniques on me. I'm blocking. I'm trying to exchange with him. I'm pity patting this guy. And... My other master says, if you don't show us anything, you're going to fail. You got to do something. So I reached into 
the vapors of my energy, the vapors. And I did a jumping, spinning, outside crested kick into a roundhouse. And I hit them both on the guy's face. It, it hit him like this. It was bat bat. Hit him just like that. And he dropped to one knee. And he looked like he was going to fucking kill me. People, man, swear to God. The look that this guy gave me when he looked up, because he like he dropped to one knee. I almost knocked him out, I guess. And he dropped to one knee. And then that look that he gave me, I was like, this dude is going to fucking kill me, man. And I don't got nothing to defend myself. And man, right as I did that, they turned the light off and they lit the candle, man. And that was it. That was it. That was, that was I think... You know, I've been alive now for quite a while, and that has to have been the most difficult thing I've ever done. I look back at it now, and I'm like, yeah, these guys, they taught me discipline. They taught me how dangerous martial arts was and how you have to respect it. Because, ladies and gentlemen, you can kill somebody with your bare hands really easily, especially if you know some techniques and they don't know anything. That's why when you're a black belt, you have to register your hands and feet as a lethal weapon in your local precinct. Because if you do end up having a fight with somebody and you didn't warn them that you're a martial artist and give them a chance for them to change their mind, you, you, you can get into a lot of trouble. You'll be liable for that person's medical bills. And there's only been a handful of times where I've had to use my martial arts to defend myself outside of karate. And we're not going to get into those stories because it's not what this episode is about. But you have to be really careful because even even so, like I'll tell you a quick synopsis of one of the situations that I got in. I'm ready to go to work. I'm already well into my adult life. I'm working for J.P. Morgan Chase and I'm going to ride the train to go in there. And this was a time where these gangs were doing initiations and they were slashing people's faces. So the whole catch line was, hey, you got the time. When you look at your watch, they slash your face. They called it a buck 50 because that's how many stitches you were going to need. 150 stitches on your face. And in the corner of my eye, I saw the glimmer of the blade. And when he came down with it, I blocked him, broke his elbow because I snaked the knife. I snake armed him, broke his elbow, separated his elbow, and broke three ribs with an with a empty strike, uh, an elbow strike to his floating rib. And the police were holding me. And saying, oh, we're going to wait to see if this guy wants to press charges on you. So going back to the lesson that we learned, the human body is really fragile. There are people out here that let their rage get the better of them. And, and you have to remain controlled. I know coming from a person like me where I've hurt so many people, that sounds pretty hypocritical. But you have to remain controlled. You have to find the best way out of the situation to where you don't get hurt and the other person doesn't get hurt. And that's all I got. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and rate. All of the episodes that are coming after this are going to be just as good as this one. We're going to have guests telling us their dark and deep secrets. I have enough stories to fill a thousand episodes. So stay tuned. You guys are going to enjoy it. And until then, we'll catch you on the next one. 